AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. God can't bless who you pretend to be or who you compare yourself to. He can only bless you and the lane that was created for you. I feel that for somebody. You don't need no edge entity, you need boundaries. What? I don't need your likes, I don't need your validation. All I need is a God fighting for me that says all things, all things, all things. Child. Pastor Stephanie. Hi, First Lady. Welcome to the PJ Interviews. So glad to be here. I'm going to yes. get Yes, Please do. This is our first time doing it. I know. I'm excited. I am too. Okay, so like this is just us having girl talk, okay. catching up, and understanding what you're learning about yourself and life and your journey to womanhood. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be super, super easy. Nice. Nice. Okay. No tears. No okay. tears. No. <laughs> but do you consider yourself like an emotional person? You know, it's 50 50. I'm not really. really like the, but I am in my private place. You mm. know, like when I'm by myself, I cry a lot. But really? In, in public, it's like um, Stone Cold to Boston. So <laughs> PT was telling me yesterday, or it was a couple of days ago, I was kind of stressed out. And he was like, maybe you need to just cry. And I was like, I mean, probably. Mm-hmm. He was like, so just cry. And I was like, well, it doesn't really work like that yeah, for me. He was like, do you want me to take you to a movie that makes you cry? I don't, do you just like, how do you just start crying in your private yeah, place? Yeah. It's, I think for me, it's like in like moments of like devotion to time with God and in worship, then I think that's when I actually face certain emotions. Mm. So maybe I... I don't know. Maybe I just like, ma- like mask it or run away from it. I don't know what it is. But I think every time I'm in my prayer closet, like that's when it's just floodgates. <laughs> Have you like? Do you feel like as a child you were allowed to be emotional? Oh no. I mean, it wasn't that I wasn't allowed, but I took on the responsibility that I shouldn't. Really? So Why? It was weird. Say more. Yeah, because my as a I was the youngest, um, and growing up, I knew I saw the pressure on my mom you know, with the desire to want to be like a great mom. And you don't see that many single parents in Nigeria. 
And so I felt like if I was always okay, then mm. she would know she's doing great. Mm-hmm. And so I remember till today, if my mom sees me cry, she thinks that somebody died mm. <laughs> or like, mm-hmm. you know, it was just some tragedy. But as a kid, I, the first time I cried, I filmed myself, which was so weird. And I was like, oh, this is what it looks like. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> but, what? <laughs> but I just never, like, I, I always try to be like the person that, okay, if Stephanie's okay and she's the youngest, then everyone else should be fine. Um, but I think for a long time, it took me a while to actually, like, face my emotions. Mm. So you kind of, like, took on that responsibility of mm-hmm. trying to make sure that your mom was okay but that didn't just come out of nowhere can you tell me a little bit more about like how you came to a place where your mom and making sure that she was doing well Mm -hmm. became your priority like what was it that she went through that made you feel like I need to lighten the load on her yeah Uh, she like she till this day my mom is just someone who would do anything for her children Mm -hmm. and just like absolutely anything and I think the day that it really hit me I accidentally found a will she wrote And I was really confused because I'm like, how old was she when she wrote this? And I had a conversation with her and she told me that right after my dad passed, that she was really scared for her, like for her life. That Mm. the same people that killed him, which was, you know, my dad's family. But they were. Okay, wait. It was a lot. It was just a whole lot. Okay, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) She just gave us a lot there. So your dad was killed Mm -hmm. by his family. Mm hmm. And your mom ended up fearing for her life. Yes. Yeah, so my 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 dad's cousin um, planned his assassination, and because they wanted my dad didn't have a will, and because they wanted to take everything away, because he was in. I mean, he was pretty wealthy, and so they were like, "Oh, we want to take the house. We want to take everything." And so his brother started threatening my mom and sent her death um, threats that you know if she doesn't turn everything over to them, that he's going to also that he's going to go after her and basically kill her. Like, it was just very plain. And so she, like, beefed up security, but she let them have a lot of things. And she's just like, I just want my kids to be safe. Like, I'm not trying to deal with all of this. But she was really scared for her life. And so she wrote a will that if anything happened to her, then her sister should take care of her kids. Mm. And so when I ran into that, that was it. Like, it really took me out for a second. I'm like, were you like, what was your mindset to write a will? And to like, it was just really weird for me. And then when she told me about the whole story and at the time, my uncle actually sent um, assassins to the house. And but apparently when the assassins showed up, he came with them. And then he leaves the car and tries to, you know, like go to the other side. But someone recognized him and said, oh, where, you know, are you going to like my mom's house, basically? And because of that, like he freaked out that they would identify that he was connected to them, then told the assassins to leave. And my mom found out the whole thing. And it was just like I just saw the pressure of the pressure on her, like, OK, if I'm alive, like I need to give my kids everything. But at the same time, I don't know how long I might be here. So I was like, you know what? I want her to always feel that her li- like I like even if I have to sacrifice like my opinions mm-hmm. or how I feel about certain things, as long as that would make her feel like, no, mom, you're doing amazing. Mm-hmm. That was good for me. So at what point did you realize that you may not necessarily be living authentic to who you are, but rather trying to put on this mm-hmm. role or persona to make things easier for those around you? It took me a couple of years. I think it was when I left Nigeria um, and in college, probably a couple of years even in college. So maybe when I was like about 18, 
um, and then I'm by myself and I actually have time to now mm. start, you know, realizing like who I really am and what makes me happy or what makes me sad and being able to express that because I was very aware of just like sometimes my emotional state, but not trusting who I could share that with. Mm. And I think that was my thing because even with friends, um, I was not a very vulnerable person. And people would always ask, like, oh, you should open up more. And I'm like, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> but I just didn't know like, what was a trusted space. Mm-hmm. And I think that when I started having people around me that I knew that I could trust and say how I actually felt in moments, um, I think that gave me a lot of healing like, and freed me a bit. When's the last time, like, you made a decision to be vulnerable and open up, even if you were, like, doing so outside of your comfort zone? Um, the last, you know, now I don't know if I can trace it because you've helped me with that too a lot. Mm-hmm. I think even with preaching and watching you and PT, um, I really just came to a place and I'm like, what is, like, what am I hiding anymore? Like, what is there to hide? Like, why do I need to hide stories? Or why do I need to hide pain or anything like that? And I think watching you and seeing how vulnerable you are and the power in that, it really gave me a lot of strength to say, you know what, like, it doesn't matter. So I don't know if I can trace the last time, but I just know, like, now that's my lifestyle like Mm. just to be open and whatever comes with it you know comes but (laughs) (laughs) um what comes with it i mean tears that i don't like (laughs) (laughs) so have you like ever opened up to someone and shared your vulnerability and received a response that made you want to close back down again so like how do you like How do you stay open even when you don't get the response that you think your vulnerability will receive? Yeah, um, there was, I'm trying to remember what the scenario was. Uh, I think it was something maybe with my brother or something. And it was this huge disagreement. Um, And it's weird because like I can catch it better now. But I noticed like in moments where like if I feel like, wow, I just opened my heart and it was shut down immediately it's almost like you know how there are these guys like guys who are just playboys and they're like oh you broke my heart i am never loving again (laughs) (laughs) i've heard of them (laughs) yeah i'm like that almost no one than that like now but i used to be like that like with um just how i express myself so the moment someone just like just i don't know ticks me off the wrong way i'm like you know what that's the last time (laughs) 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 i'm gonna have a conversation with and then what so there okay so you could stay there but there's a step that comes after that what is that step so I think it's like in that moment I'm in my feelings that's really what it is and I think after that it's really just coming face to face with the fact that you know this person is not you Mm -hmm. and they're whatever they've been through in life or whatnot, they're how they perceive things does not have to be how you perceive things. Um, and giving myself the grace I give other people. Mm. Because I like I give people so much grace, but when it comes to me, I'm like, oh, Stephanie, you shouldn't have said that. Or you shouldn't have shared that. But also giving myself the grace that, you know what, that's okay. Like, we don't have to see things the same way. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to receive it the way I would receive it. And so that, I think, was a huge part in that. (laughs) And so you, now you can be open, but you are able to coach yourself Mm -hmm. through those moments where you want to shut down. Yeah. That's amazing. So one of the things that we've talked about is like being open to all different types of things. (laughs) (laughs) Not wet bread. (laughs) (laughs) 
First of all, God wants you to be delivered from not enjoying bread being stuck to the roof of your mouth. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. So, like, before we started shooting, we had a conversation about the power of sandwiches. Sandwiches Mm. are powerful, but they are most powerful when the bread is fresh and the bread sticks to the roof of your mouth. I know. Yeah, that's going to be a divided. um, No, God wants to bring healing to that division. I don't know if you know, even Jesus, you know, when they were breaking bread. What? I'm sure those that bread toasted. <laughs> I'm sure Jesus was like, "Wow, it's a hot day. That's why we're gonna break bread, so it's not wet." You know? I'm okay. Assuming. So you're not open to wet bread. <laughs> I see. But you've had to be open to a lot of things because I've seen your life like completely transform yeah. in a short period of time. Yeah. Does it feel like it happened suddenly for you, or does it feel like it was a gradual progress of evolving? Um, I, I say both some in, in a way, um, because on one hand, you know, there are things that you don't realize, like until you look up and you're like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, and so in those aspects, it feels suddenly. But then when you sit in it, you're like, wow, this has really been a journey like this has like when I like the moments that I get to reflect from. Nigeria from, you know, the holding on to certain things that God would speak to me about, um, tra- coming out here, feeling confused, feeling lost, making decisions that I had no clue what it was going to, you know, amount to. And so in those moments, I'm like, wow, this has really been a journey. But the, like the times where you're standing in something that you have believed, you believe for a while back, you're like, oh my gosh, this just happened. So yeah. in a way, it's like 50-50. It's like a mixture of both. When, okay, when's the last time you were standing in something that you couldn't believe? You know, I it was actually a day I sent you a text. I sent you a PT, a text message. And I was like, I was just, I was in prayer and I got this text and it was some stuff that we're working on with the same room. Mm-hmm. And it had to do with like season two and it just hit me. And I'm like, God, like there's a lot, like you've really pulled me through a lot. Like yeah. you have brought me to a point where like when I just look back, I'm like, wow, like this is crazy. And then I text you in PT because <laughs> I was really having a moment. I was really emotional. <laughs> and I was just like, you know, thank you because thank you for seeing me. Thank you for even when I didn't like I didn't fully see myself. Yeah. You know, I had glimpses of who I believe that I am. Um, but I think that it really takes people to help you cultivate that. Todd Delaney has a song and it's called Pulling Me Through. And he says, like, it was you. It was you pulling me through. And it's almost like he gets this revelation after looking back over his life that God was the one who was pulling Mm -hmm. him through everything. But the reality is in the moment, you don't realize that it's God. You're just trying to survive. And then you look back and you're like, wait, there's probably no way I should have survived. Mm -hmm. And like, how did I even have the mentality to reach out to this person or to keep showing up? Like, what was that that was working down on the inside of me? And then you come to this realization, like it was God this entire time. Isn't it funny that we look back on our life and see God? Like, how can we become more intentional about seeing him now instead of in hindsight? You know, like I'll even use this example um, just before answering that. So a family, a family friend of mine was going through. She was um, I think she was behind on her car note um, and just going through all this, you know, stuff in her life. And so she was telling me the story and she's like, hey, could you pray for me? 
um, like I, I need to pay my car note. So I asked her, how much is it? And so when she told me the amount, in my head, I was like, oh, I have that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, so I, I told her the next day, I was like, text her, I was like, hey, I will give it to you so you can, you know, like, you don't have to stress about it. Um, and in that moment, I was like, God, this is like, it was crazy for me because I thought about, you know, the times where God is like, oh, I want you to stay here. Like, this is the place I've called you to. And my family thinks everything is crazy and I'm taking the bus to church. Yeah. And, I, you know, the times where I couldn't afford even to take the bus to church yeah. um, and then to help pay someone's car note. Mm. So it was, I think, so to tie that together together. I think our we are more intentional to see God when we see the things that we can do for people mm-hmm. and to see the things like how any time that God can use us to be a blessing to someone. Um, and it doesn't always have to deal with how we give. It could be our ability to say a kind word. And we can think about the times that we needed a kind word or we were yeah. dealing with depression or anxiety. And then we're in a moment where we can encourage someone verbally or financially or spiritually or whatever the case might be. But I think that every time that we recognize that the breath in me, I can use that to be a blessing to someone. I see God in those moments. So for me, it's just like, you know, thinking about just the journey of that, I realized like, God, you've really pulled me through a lot and you've been with me this whole time. And so it just goes back that anytime that I could be a blessing to someone, I see God in those moments. So we're ultimately talking about becoming the hands and feet of Mm -hmm. God because so often we're looking for where God is in our Mm -hmm. life and not asking ourselves, well, how can I show up and be an extension of God in someone else's life? And then you start to see how he works things out on your behalf. I've seen you do that, not just in the lives of people every day, but in the work that you're doing with the same room and how you're invading the culture. How do you maintain your values and morals and what's important to you in a world that has so many different things that could dilute that power and dilute your heart? Uh, it, honestly, I think it's because that's really the foundation of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, my relationship with God is really my life. Um, I remember there were times where I used, to, I used to ask myself and I'm like, God, you know, if you want me to just live for you and not get married and not have children, which is crazy, <laughs> then I would do that. But it's really like my like I like it's just, you know, it like I encountered God when I was nine. And so he has been like the reality of my life for so long. And so in anything I do, I don't I don't see it as a struggle to. Like, okay, I don't want to be, you know, like, let me, how do I dilute this? Maybe to please other people. For me, it's always about, like, what is the, like, how do I rephrase that question? Like, in the sense of, you know, it's not like me trying to, like, dim my light or dim Mm -hmm. the word of God. But how do I connect with this person better? Yeah. Because I think sometimes when it comes into that space, you have people that can be harsh Mm -hmm. with their Christianity, believing that, you know, we don't want to dumb down for the Lord and whatnot. But then it's about seeing people as they are, where they are. And how do I have a conversation that can engage you where you are? But in regards to, like, for my personal life, God is the foundation of my life. Okay, so I haven't always been that way. So it's yeah. not like at nine I had this encounter <laughs> and I was like, you know what, God, from nine years old, I just, oh, you are it for me. I was like, you can be a part of what I'm doing in yeah. the earth and then we'll get to what you I've want. I've had those moments. Yeah, because I was going to ask yeah. you. No, like, I've had those because this is how it is. Because like I tell someone, right, I knew, I knew, the Lord as my father before I knew him as my savior. 
say more so I like my encounter with him was like oh my gosh like you're my dad you know you're my dad we're gonna do this thing called life together and so and the reason I said what I said before is that there's never been an intentionality of oh I need to dim my light wherever I was that was my truth Mm -hmm. and so there were times Mm -hmm. in college that where I was was the person who watched pornography. Where I was was the person who loved to go out and drink. And until I almost hit a blackout, but not a blackout, so I'm functional. But almost, but I wasn't quite. But that was where I was. So it was not, there was never the mindset of, oh, I want to adapt to what people are doing. It was just, that was my truth in that time. And I would, and there are times I would be going out and I could hear the Holy Spirit say, don't go out. I'm like, well, you're coming with me or mm-hmm. you can stay behind. <laughs> <laughs> but that was my truth. So whatever it was my truth in each moment, that was exactly who I was. So when I was the person who just wanted to party and that was exactly who I was. Yeah. I think for me, it came down to this idea of like, I am building a life, mm-hmm. but like, what am I building a life based on? Yeah. And for me, sometimes it was like, I just want to prove people wrong about me or I want people to see me differently which means the foundation of my life was ultimately brokenness because Mm -hmm. I didn't want people to see me a certain way so that's fear right and so when I came to a place where I was like I just don't want to be afraid anymore I don't want people to be I don't want to be afraid of what people are going to think of me Mm -hmm. I don't want to be afraid of what people are going to say about me so how do I build my life in this place where I don't care whether or not people accept my story and accept my journey and I it had to start with God for me because I'm like, where, I mean, God, if, if it's real, if everything I've been raised hearing is real, then you knew these things were going to happen mm. to me. You still made this plan for my life. I'm still here. And so I want to figure out what it is you know about me. Mm. And I started building my life curious about what God knew about me. So I started doing the opposite of what my fear told me to do. And that's how I rebuilt the foundation oh. of my life from it being about fear to ultimately faith, faith that if I'm still here, there's a purpose for my life. And so that role that faith plays in our life can never be underestimated because it is the thing that leads us to the thing that helps us discover who we are. So I just wonder, what is the thing that you have been most surprised about that was in you all along? Ah, that's a good question. That's that's good. Um, the thing that has been most in me. Because, like, don't you think of all the things you're doing now, there's nothing that you're doing now that you did not have the ability to True. do before. You just didn't have the revelation that you could do it. You know, it. It, actually, like, you know, connecting those two, I think that it's always been a desire to serve people. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that the young girl who wanted her mother to be happy the way she went about it was not the best but it was this desire to see someone you know in a in a place in a state in a higher place than wherever they were like to see someone do better like for something in my life to serve someone Mm -hmm. and in the beginning it was like oh i could serve my mom in this way um i remember like a lot of times my mom would tell me that even as a kid there was always this desire of like when we would see kids on the street or whatever like i would want to give them everything i had and so i think that deep down there has always been that it was always about like okay, I, I really just, I'm like, God, use me to make humanity better mm. in any way. And so it translates now 
into whether it's as a pastor or speaking or whatever it is but it really boils down like I really love people yeah I mean people can piss you off but I, right. that's alright yeah but I really <laughs> love people and I think that's what it's always been and that has been a strength for me um, really just through life I'll tell you, there were two things I used to get in trouble for all the time when I was young. One was the fact that adults would always tell me their business, (laughs) like always. So what I know now is that people have always felt safe being vulnerable Mm -hmm. with me, even when I was a young girl. And I used to get in trouble for writing letters about things. (laughs) (laughs) This I had a nanny at the time who had upset me greatly. And I just started writing in the back of the car after she had upset me. (laughs) And she went in my own personal journal. Wasn't hers. Wasn't hers. My own personal journal and found a little something that hurt her her little heart but the thing is that was my journal but it also taught me like the power of words like because writing is like the thing that ultimately changed my life and my ability to be vulnerable in writing in a way that I couldn't do with my words and so those things were always in me and I think like one of my greatest commitments as a leader is to awaken what's already down on Mm -hmm. the inside of you to awaken what God knew when he formed you in your mother's womb and get you to take a chance on pulling that out what do you think is your greatest mission as a leader as a a spiritual leader um i believe it's to see people walk out who god called them to be for sure i really believe that um because even for me i think what and 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 to see them do that in a in a healthy relationship with god um what transformed my life that like from the person who was just like i just want to drink and not knowing that what i was doing in those moments was just kind of to numb things that had pain or whatnot but it was the love of God in those moments mm. and the love of God who was to speak to me, the love of God who was to tell me about my life. And I'm like, God, are you talking to me in the club right now? Pause. <laughs> <laughs> <It's a, laughs> it was crazy. But I think that the love of God really pulled out from me what he already placed within me. Um, and it's so easy to see how easy it is to deviate from your call, to yeah. see how easy that could be if you are holding on to pain or you're holding on to um, your past or any of those things. And so I have my desires to see people really walk out who God has called them to be. And that's why I think, like I was having this conversation with a friend and they were asking me about, they were talking about a scenario, like someone who, I mean, it was bad. Someone killed somebody. Um, on the news, it was not something, you know, not like personal. Well, because you've taken you know? this journey. <laughs> no, but she was like, she was talking about that and she was saying that, man, that person is a really bad person. And I'm just like, I don't believe they're good or bad people. I just believe there are people who are, have been awakened to their purpose by God and people that have not. Mm. Because any of us could find ourselves in any lane at any particular time if depending on the journey that your life took and the decisions you made when you got to wherever you were. Um, so I, I really want to see people walk out who God has called them to be. And you're doing that yeah. every single day. And when you get those testimonies, what does that feel like for you? It's amazing yeah. because there are moments where I'm like, wow, you got that from what I said? I said that. <laughs> are you sure? Are you sure you said that? <laughs> um, but it just shows me the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And it shows me the power of how God will partner with you in what you do um, and how that can really speak to people and how whatever, like everything that we're called to do, it really matters on this earth. So you talked about like God even speaking to you in the club. He sure did. Like how do you like how do you know 
it was God. Like, how did, like, what does the voice of God sound like? It, it sounds just like mine. But it does. <laughs> it it's not like, like people are like, mine. I wonder if God is talking to me. Like, are you talking to you? Because it starts out, it right. sounds like it your voice. He speaks like to mine. you in a way that mm-hmm. you can understand. And it is, it's hard to explain. I think when I tell people, and I want to hear yeah. how you tell people about the voice of God, but I think it starts with worship and vulnerability mm-hmm. and being open to whatever is happening in a moment. So when you go to church and you're still kind of like testing it out or you're mm-hmm. listening to worship music and you're like, you know, what's happening here? But like being open to like, what if these words are true? Mm-hmm. I just for them, just for this moment, I want to live like the words in this song are true. You are a good, good father. Like, what would that be like if I, honestly and authentically felt that way and I think that they're able to open up Mm -hmm. and the voice of God for me is when you hear your own voice but it gives you that feeling that you experience in worship that's the voice of God yeah if that makes sense I agree and I think for me it's it's it goes beyond what I would naturally do in a situation Mm -hmm. it goes beyond what I would naturally be inclined to yeah um and not not in a crazy way right you do have the scenarios where people do crazy things yeah (laughs) (laughs) There are no crazy people. <laughs> but there are cra- only people oh, who have been awakened to their and purpose. That's and that's right. <laughs> and uh, people who do crazy situations. <laughs> but I think that it's something that it, it has that feeling of worship yeah. to it. Um, because, for example, I remember like the one time that was hilarious to me. So I'm in the club and I have two drinks in my hand. I was I thought I was both living, of them. Put both. both of them. I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Double sip. Um, and there was this lady who was like somewhere. She was in the corner and I heard it so clearly. He was like, go speak to that lady and let her know her dad is going to make it. He's in the hospital right now. And I was like, um, sir, <laughs> now it's not, the, not time. the time <laughs> to be talking to people about their fathers. And I remember I walked up to her. I was like, you know what? I'm still functional. And I walked, up to her. <laughs> I walked up to her and I was like, hey, I know this is crazy. This is not the place of time. And I said, I just felt like I needed to tell you, I, you know, your dad is probably in the hospital, but, you know, God is with him. He's going to make it. And she starts crying. Yeah. And that was a moment that was healing for both her and me. Mm. Because I'm like, God, you are funny. Because this is not the scenario I would think you would use. I would think in this moment, you should be like upset with me. Like, Stephanie, what are you doing? You need to get out of here. But even in this place, you can use me for this particular woman. Um, And that to me was just healing and moving that what if that even in my like the moments where I would be hard on myself, the moments where I feel like. I should not be here. Like, Stephanie, do better. You know better, do better. But then you start learning. If I could really do better, I would. But if I don't have the the power to get myself out of here, what if that was where I needed to be? What if this woman... So there are things that it just gave me so much. It changed my perspective in life, like the ways God moves. And it's just, it's it's amazing to me. I think when you find out that God can still use you, and then you take a step on that. So there are like mm-hmm. several steps, right? Like, so one, you have to come to the realization that God can use you in spite of what you've gone yeah. through, in spite of what you've done. You've done. If you're still here, then God says, I can still use you. You can still be a tunnel for me to do things in mm-hmm. the earth. And then you have to come to the place where you're willing to take that step of faith. Like, Very okay, true. God, I want to be your tunnel. Now let me actually produce. Let me actually manifest what it is that you've placed down Very on the true. inside of me. 
And then when you see the results of just keeping the channel clear so that he can use you, you feel so honored that he would use you in spite of where you started from. Mm -hmm. And then I think that that just takes your relationship with God to a whole nother level. And when you begin to honor and value your role as a tunnel and a vessel for God to use in any capacity, doesn't have to be a huge platform. Mm -hmm. It could be something just as kind as, you know, saying hello to someone in a grocery store. I think that it restores your worth because I struggled so much with my worth and value. And now my worth and value is built on the fact that God sees me and sees me worthy of being used in the earth. And I think that's the most powerful thing that can change your value and your worth, especially as a woman who's on a journey of constantly evolving. Service is everything. Very true. I love that. And I think it it heals people when people realize that it's not the good times of your life that that counts. Right. It's It's, like not at all. And I think for me that and that's why now it's like sharing about those moments there's no shame attached to it. There's no guilt attached yeah. to it because I'm like, no, I needed those moments. Yeah. I needed to be like that was part of my story because, you know, again, I knew better, but yeah. I did not have the power to do better. Mm. And when I think about how other people you met in, in, you know, along the way or how you can connect with other people because you've been them, yeah. then was it ever a waste? Was it ever not supposed to be? Was I ever supposed to be this person that should have been mature? enough to know the best way or whatever but I think it brings so much healing to people when they realize that the moments that you think count your, that count that counts you out from the promise of God is really part of what qualifies you to do what you do and we just we hear that over and over again but it's really it's the truth it's, so true. it's like it's yeah it's true yeah it's just like 100 you know just with the red marks and everything <laughs> as in the emoji the emoji <laughs> You, your life is an emoji. Can I just say that? What's your favorite emoji? You know. Can you make uh, the face? It's the what? Yes. <laughs> Mine is the magnifying glass because that's how I like to look at people. Like, what? <laughs> what did you just say to me? I enjoy that one thoroughly. Yeah. What are you looking forward to? So we're 2020, new decade. 2020. Yes. What makes you excited? You know, I think, right, I'm in a space. So I went to Seattle for a sabbatical. And um, on my way back, I just had this, it was just this reality. And it's crazy now looking at, you know, the events that have occurred and with, you know, Kobe Bryant and all of that. But I was on the plane and I shared this with a few of my friends and I had never felt afraid of flying in my life. I've never felt afraid of planes or anything like that. Um, but that moment, it was so the plane hadn't taken off yet, and I, I just felt this overwhelming sense of death, and I was so confused. I'm like, God, it, what is happening? You know, it, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> um, and in that moment, I heard like, if I was to take you home, would you be proud of the way you've lived? Mm-hmm. And I was like, absolutely not, because I feel like there's so much potential in me that I've not even tapped into yet, and. And that even my response made me ask myself, like, I'm aware of the potential in me that I've not tapped into yet. Why haven't I also tapped into that? Yeah. And I just started thinking about different things that the Lord had placed on my heart. And I heard this, whether it came from me, whether it came from God, but it was this one phrase. And he said, if you ever 
dumbed down how you the thing that the things I've called you to because of people the best thing they can give you is a speech at your funeral mm. and I thought about that and I said God I want to be everything you've called me to be like I the reality of that phrase die empty yeah. really hit me and I think that I'm I'm in such a space now that I want to be and do everything that God has called me to and really live in a relentless authentic way and not back down and not cower down or not me shy about anything. Like, there are things that terrify me. Speaking still terrifies me too now, which will shock people. But just be bold and just live it out. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, there was one message that just changed my life and um, a message that I preached that I feel like really allowed me to step into another something. And it was unleashed and I preached it, I think it was the beginning of 2018. And I just talked about how God had unleashed Peter in all of these different ways. Mm -hmm. Like he unleashed his mind. He unleashed his his heart. He unleashed all of these different things. But the last thing that he unleashed was his hand. And he gave Mm -hmm. him the power to perform miracles. And how 2018 was going to be all about God unleashing our hands. You know, we've gone through all these levels, but now it's time to act it out. And I have seen God um, unleash so many parts of you and so many parts of myself. And I think it's so important to be around mm-hmm. people who make you intrigued by what else you can release in That's the earth. That's right. And you are one of those people for us. And you've done that for me. So oh, thank, thank you. you. I love you. <laughs> I love this you. This was great. This was great. <laughs> <laughs> this is sandwiches. <laughs> now let's have sandwiches. Oh, no. Yes. Let's talk about toasted. Toasted, flat no. bird. You know, Toast- Ezekiel breads that don't stick on your mouth. Ezekiel bread, they don't stick because yeah, because there's nothing in it. That's like, right because they you know even, or do you eat even healthy? the Are Bible you? knew it. Wow, that really hit me. That was like an epiphany. It wasn't an My epiphany. God. Even the Bible, they they also knew that bread should not stick on your mouth. They, well, I don't know. You about know, I just that. want to give it up to the Lord, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Are you a healthy eater? Are you? I am. Except I, pasta. Except pasta. And except when I'm eating just because. Or what do they call it? Eating Emotional. Your feelings? Oh, I've been eating my feelings this week. I would week. eat all kinds of things. I think the, the Kobe Bryant passing and just life has had me eating my feelings this I did. week. I had pizza and pasta. Yeah, same night or you split it up? Oh, no, it was the same night. That's fine. At night. <laughs> That's fine. That when you went to sleep, it went to sleep. It's oh, gone now. I, it showed up. <laughs> <laughs> you see it. You know where it is. I sure did. That's it showed fine. up. It's but, great. You know. Yeah. Okay. Very good. <laughs> Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.